In today's Fat Girl podcast, we review cats undergoing thoracic trauma. We know that cats truly have nine lives, but is there evidence to prove this? What's the prognosis for cats that undergo surgical management of the thoracic trauma? Lux and all wanted to evaluate this in a multi-institutional retrospective study entitled Factors Associated with Survival to Hospital Discharge for Cats Treated Surgically for Thoracic Trauma. First of all, kudos to the authors. As many of our veterinary studies focus specifically on dogs or on a combination of dogs and cats, but few are focused solely on the cat. It's nice to see an all-cat study. This multi-institutional study involved seven veterinary teaching hospitals. Only cats that presented with thoracic trauma and later underwent surgical intervention for their sustained thoracic trauma were included in this study. Data reviewed included signalment, any pertinent medical history, physical examination findings on admission, blood work results, imaging results, details of the surgical procedure, post-operative complications, and causes of death or survival to discharge. 23 cats met the inclusion criteria. Most recorded causes of trauma were dog attacks, 35%, followed by motor vehicle accidents, 26%, and unknown causes in 17%. Other known causes included animal attacks, excluding dogs, impalement, projectile penetrating trauma, and trauma of unknown origin. 65% of cats had external signs of open wounds, 39% had subcutaneous emphysema, 17% had flail chest, and 9% had pseudo-flail chest. A pseudo-flail chest, by the way, was described as the typical paradoxical movement of the thoracic wall, but with only one rib fracture or no rib fractures present. Rib lesions were grouped into two categories, less than three rib fractures or greater than or equal to three rib fractures. The authors further characterized whether surgical intervention was required for the sustained rib fractures. Some cats presented with respiratory distress, 57%. Thoracic radiographs were performed in most cats and found pulmonary contusions, 37%, pneumothorax, 37%, pleural effusion, 26%, diaphragmatic hernia, 26%, sternal fractures, 26%, rib fractures, 21%, atelectasis, 21%, and pneumomediastinum in 11%. 39% of cats had concurrent abdominal abnormalities, including diaphragmatic hernia, abdominal body wall hernia, subcutaneous emphysema, or pneumoperitoneum. Concurrent fractures of the long bone were infrequently seen, long bones in two cats, manis or pes in one cat, pelvis in one, and scapula in one. Medical records were also reviewed for evidence of systemic inflammatory response syndrome, or SIRS, before or after surgery. SIRS is described in this article as greater than or equal to three of the following criteria identified within the same day. A rectal temperature of less than 100 degrees Fahrenheit or greater than 103.5 degrees Fahrenheit, a heart rate less than 140 or greater than 225 beats per minute, a respiratory rate greater than 40 breaths per minute, a white blood cell count less than 5 or greater than 19.5, 10 to the third micrograms per liter, and banned neutrophils at greater than 5%. The article defines hypertension as a systolic blood pressure of greater than 150 millimeters of mercury and hypotension as less than 90 millimeters of mercury. Over half of the cats met the SIRS criteria prior to surgery, with only five cats meeting the SIRS criteria following surgery. No association was found between cats meeting the criteria for SIRS and survival to discharge. 
In this study, the cats were assigned an animal trauma triage or ATT score from 0 to 18 on admission. The mean ATT score in the study was 6.8. The ATT scoring system is designed to help us assess the severity of illness in animals based on easily obtainable data at the time of triage in hopes that we can use this information for prognostic purposes and to help identify those animals in need of immediate medical intervention. The information needed for the ATT score includes things taken from our physical examination findings, such as indicators of perfusion, like mucous membrane color, CRT, rectal temperatures, pulse quality, indicators of cardiac function, heart rate, rhythm, but not murmurs, indicators of respiratory function, such as respiratory rate and effort, visible damage to the musculature, skin, and or eyes, such as lacerations, abrasions, corneal stain uptake, skeletal system assessment, such as mobility, weight-bearing ability, fractures, and indicators of neurologic dysfunction, central and peripheral signs. The score ranges from 0 to 18, with 0 being healthy and 18 being the most severe. Larger veterinary studies found that each point increase in the ATT score did result in a statistically significant decreased likelihood of survival. Be careful, however, interpreting the data out there on feline ATT scores. Presently, there is no number cutoff at which we would say that a cat is likely to die from the presenting condition. However, we do use the ATT score to say that a higher score is bad for the cat's projected outcome. In this study, keeping in mind there was a very limited number of cats, the mean ATT score for survival was 6.4, while the mean ATT score for non-survivors was 10. This did correlate with survival. In other words, cats with higher ATT scores were statistically less likely to survive. 65% of cats received thoracic surgery and 49% received abdominal surgery. Repair of diaphragmatic hernia was the most common reason for abdominal cavital surgery. Other abdominal surgeries included abdominal body wall hernia repair and exploratory surgery with resection of damaged tissue. The most common findings during thoracic surgery included skin wounds, muscular defects in the thoracic and abdominal walls, diaphragmatic tears, rib fractures, lung lobe pathology, and sternal fractures or sternal avulsions. Just under half of the cats had recorded intra or post-operative complications. Four cats had incisional complications, three suffered cardiopulmonary arrest, two cats experienced gastrointestinal disturbances, two experienced cardiac arrhythmias, and one experienced aspiration pneumonia. Other conditions that arose post-operatively included anemia, hepatopathy, coagulopathy, and acute kidney injury. This article did not specify whether the cats that suffered cardiopulmonary arrest were anesthetic-related arrests or whether they were attributed to the patient's morbidities. All cats survived their surgical procedures, but two cats suffered cardiopulmonary arrest and one cat was euthanized due to failure to oxygenate unassisted in the post-operative period. As for non-survivors, this article didn't divulge what morbidities those non-surviving cats had, but we can conclude that one of them suffered from some type of coagulopathy, one suffered from aspiration pneumonia, one of them had a lung lobectomy, two of them had body wall injuries, and all three of them met the pre-operative surge criteria, but not the post-operative surge criteria. This study is a first look into prognostic indicators for cats that suffer trauma warranting thoracic surgery. Other studies exist for cats requiring thoracic surgery for chronic disease, but not for acute traumatic causes. The biggest limitation of the study is a rather small sample size, which makes it difficult to make conclusions regarding prognostic information. Larger clinical studies would give more robust data.
Another limitation to the study is that underreporting may have occurred owing to cats' ability to mask their disease. The authors suggest that since cats have a large pulmonary reserve, many cats suffering from thoracic trauma may have gone unnoticed because they are experts at masking clinical signs and may not present to owners or to clinicians with telltale respiratory distress to trigger a thoracic workup. In this study alone, respiratory diseases produce no obvious signs of respiratory distress in over half of these cats. We should all bank this information in our clinician knowledge database and use this information when presenting to pet owners the urgency and importance of taking radiographs on the basis of known trauma rather than only on the basis of seeing respiratory distress. In other words, ideally, any trauma patient should always have chest radiographs taken even if they're eupneic. Due to the retrospective nature of the study, the authors were unable to evaluate another factor in feline trauma that may be clinically useful to us, time from sustaining injury to receiving definitive treatment, such as surgical intervention in this case. We still do not have a clinical guideline for how soon to take the animals to surgery for treatment of their trauma. Some suggest the sooner the better. Others suggest waiting for the body to have more time to stabilize. If we gather data regarding the time it takes from initial injury to surgical treatment and evaluate the outcomes of those patients, we may be able to finally create a veterinary guideline regarding surgical intervention time in trauma. That said, this was an important study as it allowed us to see what prognostic factors affected survival in this population of cats with trauma. So, what can we take away from this Vectoral podcast? Like with most trauma cases, the prognosis is fair to good for surgical management of thoracic trauma in cats with rapid recognition, identification, diagnostic workup, and treatment. Unfortunately, the worse the trauma, the higher the initial ATT score, and the worse the prognosis. Also, if your patient undergoes cardiopulmonary arrest, your patient is less likely to survive to hospital discharge, a well-known fact in the ECC world. Again, the only variable this study found to be associated with survival to hospital discharge in cats requiring thoracic surgery to treat their thoracic trauma was their initial ATT score on presentation, but no cutoff scores for survivors versus non-survivors can be taken from a study with such a small number of subjects. In other words, don't just euthanize them because they have a high ATT score. Remember, cats do have nine lives most of the time, but they're sneaky with their clinical presentations. We shouldn't be waiting to see overt respiratory distress before making the recommendation for thoracic radiographs to identify underlying thoracic injury. We also want to make sure that we're recognizing this criteria for SIRS and treating it appropriately and immediately. When in doubt, don't give up on trauma cases. 